Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant. Welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast sponsored by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. I'm once again joined by our special MEP force panel, Nathan Wood, Rob McKenney, Travis Voss, and James Simpson. Welcome back, guys. We made it to the third and final day of MEP force. Is, is it really only Wednesday? <laughs> it feels like Wednesday wow. of three weeks from now, but that's, <laughs> it's all right. It, successful MEP force, I think, uh, you know, super exciting to see all the, uh, just the energy and the collaboration and interaction in the different sessions or uh, the virtual event last night. Um, yeah, I, I'm very excited. Uh, yeah, can we just talk about the virtual event last night for a second? Let's, <laughs> that was I'll incredible. touch on the food for a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, oh, Steve was yeah. awesome. Uh, I'm still salivating yeah. over that food. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the cooking was amazing. Um, discussions were amazing. It was just, yeah, it, it, it almost felt like we were drinking together. <laughs> right. Right, well, that, well that's what I was going to say. I was like, you know, I don't know if I followed the instructions wrong or what, but at the end, I just ended up with whiskey. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad place to end up. You know. <laughs> uh, so today we uh, we started with our keynote from several people from Autodesk. Uh, we had Ian Malloy, uh, Steve Butler, and Martin Schmidt, as well as Clay Smith was back, uh, and Amanda Kamenal from GTP talking all about the the partnership there. But uh, before we kind of dive into that, I thought there was some good stuff coming out of the Autodesk portion of that and thought it was interesting. I believe it was Steve that started talking about how he thought DFMA was really just going to soar coming out of COVID. Hmm. would love to, to get all of your opinions on that as well. Travis, <laughs> you're closest to it. What do you think? Uh, well, I, I'm not going to totally disagree with it. I mean, I think that change happens a little bit slower than we really want it to. I think it's something we've been talking about, but you know, we, we have, um, when we, when we do get together and have these talks, we, we have said that, that co you know, the silver lining to COVID is, has kind of forced a, a change in mindset. Um, so, so let's, you know, let's hopefully that, that does happen and we start to, to run with it. I think that, that, it's taken an old school industry and really kind of forced it to look at things a new way. Um, you know, a lot of us companies like ours that, that have been trying it and haven't been able to push it along. Hopefully, hopefully this forces that view, that new view. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think it is true. You have this perfect storm of this obviously need for a lot more healthcare uh, in this country and, and healthcare being a huge opportunity for DFMA prefab, all these opportunities, you know, stuff that, uh, uh, Amy had talked about on on day one as really the kind of those high money maker um, prefabrication and DFMA opportunities, um, and so you know how how do we really you know bring that together with this need for uh, social distancing and 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 inherent slowdowns, but still a, a pent up demand. Um, so I think it, it does create an opportunity for DFMA, and we you know again have to do it right. You know I'm really curious in seeing you know DFMA and then even just prefab in general, um, you know, you typically see it in new construction, right? You don't see it too much in retrofits and stuff like that um, for a variety of reasons. But what I'm really curious to see is if it starts to take shape there just because of how much retrofit um, that I see coming out of this with trying to put in new safety standards, right? Even um, just new filtration systems, whether it's an HVAC or, um, you know, hot water loops and plumbing to keep everything uh, moving, whatever that is, just 
knowing that how much retrofit's going to go on and even, you know, um, redesigning retail spaces, right, for new uses potentially, just all of that consumes, you know, if that starts to move into a lot of those retrofit applications. So that's one of the things I also am kind of curious to see there. James, I think you're right. I've seen a couple of studies talking about the hotel industry, for example, of retrofitting all those bathrooms. Right. And starting to talk about the soft surfaces they want to remove in the hotels, the elderly care facilities, places of that nature. But then it makes you wonder when they really get into the design, if you're getting rid of all the soft surfaces because of the health regulations, you're going to put in the solid surfaces that you can clean. What about the ADA and the slip factor? There's a lot of things that are get yep. baked into those numbers first about people wanting to renovate facilities or I had two conversations this week with people that are on projects now creating massive convention centers. They're building them right now with the owners already asking the whole project team, is this a good idea now? Yeah. <laughs> Should I still build this giant space for people to come meet that I wanted to open the end of 2020 and fill in 2021? Um, wait a minute. It's going to be implications, I think. Yep. Maybe they're just really well positioned when everything opens back up. That <laughs> they're just banking Maybe on. So. <laughs> yeah. What, what is agile? Yeah. Agile complex design that uh, accounts for uh, all these future conditions. Yeah. If, man, all I know is it costs money, right? I think that's the whole thing that we're realizing. Yes, we need to plan early. Yes, we know these things, but these things cost money. And so what is really the right balance of how much do you spend preparing and how much do you spend doing and how much of it, ends up in mistakes and rework. Uh, and if you don't measure those things, you're not going to improve them. But uh, I think a lot of it, we, we say we need to get better, but we don't actually measure it in the first place. So what does that first kind of step there look like on, on measuring it without trying to get paralyzed, you know, a paralysis by analysis deal? I mean, I think you have to get the two for one, right? You have to get something that I think uh, Jeff Sample was quoted yesterday. Uh, and I'll, I'll paraphrase of just, you know, about really finding tools that meet your workflow efficiencies, not necessarily mm -hmm. ones that are going to change your workflow efficiencies um, and really understanding the separation between what your internal uh, tech stack and, and sort of detailing top to field and back and forth, you know, process, like what data actually flows where, if that's not mapped out and understood, you know, the tool's just going to accelerate a bad process, you know, um, mm -hmm. and, and make things worse. And so I think there, there's so much of that, you know, having the right things set up and then knowing where does that tool best fit within the way that you're set up because we are an industry that is very unique and everyone's sort of one-off. Mm -hmm. Makes me think of what Ian was talking about in his keynote when he brought up the two books, The Inventor's Dilemma and The Crossing the Chasm. And how do you really get people to make that leap from the early adopters to getting into the majority and getting more people bought into the process. Um, so curious, you know, this is kind of what we've been talking about, but how do we really push the industry forward with the digital transformation and make it stick? A, a fear well, is that people kind of go bored and then they start slowly creeping back into their normal ways when they can. Well, the cat crossing the chasm means it just works. I mean, I think th those of us that, you know, I think all of us in this uh, here sit in, in that innovator category or, or early adopter um, before, before the chasm. And what makes us unique is that we're willing to tinker, we're willing to put up with betas and issues, whatever, because we see the intent of it. And we kind of almost have, have fun being the early tinkers, but it's not until it's really actually better than the alternative, will you really start to cross that chasm and get mass adoption? If you read Jeffrey Moore's book, 
And so that's really where we're at is like, what's it going to take for the process and the technology to be aligned enough so that someone that doesn't care as much about this stuff um, actually finds it better than the alternative, which is paper. Um, so that's, that's really, I think, where we're at as an industry. Yeah, I think we talk about this a lot when we go to the CPC events is the, the fact that, um, you know, we've, we've seen, we, we always point to IPD type projects, but th those being the ones, you know, we don't really document the wins very well there. We don't do a bunch of white papers and studies because we're all just on to the next thing. And until we start doing that more, um, I think it's going to, so it's going to be a perfect storm there because we're going to have to start doing that more. We're going to have to start proving that, that we, that our assumptions are right. And then the other thing is like, like James was saying, um, all the retrofits and everything else that we're going to be heaped on top, like we're just going to have to do. It. So we got to prove that it works and we got to realize that we're going to have to do it or we're going to, you know, or we're going to flounder and say. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Uh, yeah, I, I've said often that, you know, I think that the construction in the MMP industry has a marketing problem and I'm, I realize I'm biased on the marketing side, but uh, I, Travis, to your point of that, you guys have to start telling those stories better and getting the word out there more on this stuff is possible. It does make things better, but people just don't hear those stories often and enough uh, to make it really sink in and to get that buy-in on it. Curious though, why, why do you think that the storytelling aspect isn't as readily available as what it probably should be? I'll, I'll, I'll share my thoughts and I'll get out of the way. But I think part of the problem is, is because um, we do we do exist in an echo chamber. I mean, you guys have done a great job, 1300 plus people. Um, but I mean, I think if, if you spread that across the entire industry, you're probably still talking to the top. Right. I shouldn't even, I shouldn't call it the top 5%, but you're, call, you're talking like 5%, right? Um, so if you spread, if you look at the rest of the industry, you know, you, you're already talking to the top movers and shakers. Um, so we have to figure out a way, you know, I, I'll throw it out there because, because we said it in the pre-show, but I'll be the one that's eating the rising tide and all that stuff. But we have to get them to kind of understand that, that we, we need to get together and, and handle this better. And that was one of the things I actually like to, to call back to the, the opening keynote is, um, even companies like Autodesk are starting to realize, or not starting to realize, they realize that it's better to provide a platform and work with partners and get everybody to, to perform better than it is to try to, to try to own the home thing. Yeah, I'll throw, I'll throw one little other thing in there. I think a lot of the problem, um, or at least a contributing factor, also just comes from us being competing against each other in the contractor space so heavily for so long to where it, it's really, you know, I survive or, or you do, right? And um, we've really lost that collaborative approach to try and, you know, as, as Travis was alluding to there, you know, rise and tide or, or what is it? Rise and tides, raise all ships. Um, we, we really lost that, that mentality. And um, there's a lot of reasons underlining right that, right? Design, bid, build, et cetera. But 
Um, I think enforcing that, that ultimately it's going to really make, you know, all of us move faster and quicker. Um, it will kind of help us be more willing to share some of those success stories, right? Instead of, um, you know, just kind of hoarding that information for our own. So you guys ready for another lean water analogy to, uh, to continue along this? Well, I keep bringing it up because you're literally in water. So. You are in the water. <laughs> so your next one to, to take out to all the uh, construction dorks is uh, to lower the river to reveal the rocks. And the concept is that, so let's just say we did rise the tide and we're coming in on a bunch of rocks and everybody's coming together. But if you can't see the rocks you're, and you're going too fast, you're going to hit them and you're going to crash and you're, and you're going to sink. And that's a lot of this, you know, thinking that technology will get you there and not going through sort of the groundwork of working through what is my process, what is my whatever. So lowering that river, lowering that water so that you can see where those rocks are, so you can navigate around them, understand, you know, and, and build this is that whole idea of crawling before you walk, before you run, um, before you fly. So it's, again, an analogy upon analogy upon analogy, but <clears throat> that's, that's the next one there is lowering the river to reveal the rocks. That one took me a while to understand what it meant by and kind of how it applies to AC tech. Um, but uh, I think that's another one that I think we, we can really take note of, of sometimes you do have to go slower before you go faster. Right. Because I mean, technology can't fix bad processes, right? In, in, in reality, they probably just expose it more. It accelerates um, it. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. They're in jet fuel in a, in an old tanker car, <laughs> gonna blow it up. Right. I think we're seeing the change happen now, guys. You got to think if you look historically how the industry was kind of organized and we talked about those contracts and what it did to the relationships. But when you really dive down into the trades and think about, I can tell you guys what it was like coming into the industry and superintendents reminded me the reason they were superintendent is because they knew how to do it and I did not and no one else did. So Nathan, you're talking about those rocks. They knew where the rocks were. They were captaining, captaining those ships. Yep. And they didn't want to tell anybody that generational mindset is what we have seen shifting, especially now. I mean, who would have thought five years ago, you could have had a conference like this with 1300 people talking and sharing 10 years ago, I mean, 20 years ago, never would have happened. I mean, yeah, never happened. Lowering the river is transparency and vulnerability and all these things around culture that we're talking about that are really hard to do. And once you do, all that really does is expose where the real problem is, <laughs> which hopefully isn't culture and hopefully is process, but it may be culture that never lets you get to talk about process. So it's like all these different rocks, right? That if you don't expose them, you can't figure out how to navigate around them and then raise the water back up and then you can fly by because you know where your path is. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great point. Uh, one of the things today that was uh, kind of surprising to me to see the frequency of it was the conversations around Power BI. And we had three different breakout sessions around Power BI throughout the conference between David Francis, Kevin Allen, and uh, Tyler Phillips had the, the third one on Monday. Curious your takes on Power BI and how you see it kind of playing in the construction industry. It's fascinating, just the visualization alone of how much data can get put into a spot and you can convey that executives can consume so much so quick. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it really, really is the Excel dashboard of the future, right? It gives you the, the ability to plug into all these different 
systems that you use and essentially create that dashboard that would have had to have been manually compiled in between a bunch of different spreadsheets. So it's like, it's not that different than how we used to do it, but it is, it's a big shift of that, you know, getting it up into the cloud and moving towards a, a digital, digitalized way of uh, ex exploring that data. Yeah, I was going to say that I think that it is the movement. I think that we are starting to realize that, that, you know, the Excel spreadsheets that we all love and live on, that, that they are just becoming, you know, almost dead data inside the project. So if you can expose it through something, which, you know, PowerBot BI was, you know, I would say probably just Excel on steroids to a certain point, but it, it does get the data out there. It gives you visualizations. And then when you start you know, I think we all do it. You know, you start it off by connecting up to your Excel spreadsheet or a CSV, and then you start looking at all those other connectors in there. I was in Darren, oh, not, I was in uh, Kevin Allen's class, you know, and he, he scrolled through. I mean, like, like, oh, I can connect this to SQL Server. I can actually connect it up to my fabrication database, you know, and that's when you start getting those ideas where you can say, yes, you know, we understand that we have all these data silos and now at least we have a tool that we can understand because it's based on a, in a product that we've been using for 20 years and I can start to break down those silos a little bit more. But then what happens when you connect to that data field and nothing's there? And then we're back to the conversation. Yeah, we, we've already talked about that. We, we, right. we that hatchet. Uh, any other kind of takeaways that you guys have uh, gotten from MEP Force? today or you know it's the end of the week so we can we can recap, recap any of the days <laughs> yeah one one thing that i thought uh was really interesting in the uh the blame game conversation uh with uh esub and taught and what they're really talking about was um the transparency in your operations and one of the key points that i took away that it brought me back to uh some memories of uh some of the research i was doing in the middle east around you know, if you are doing a work breakdown structure, which is very important, that is different from your cost codes and, and your cost structure, that really the cost code is what it is versus the work breakdown structure being where it is. And I think those are the types of like kind of blocking and tackling fundamentals that again, like if you don't have those sorts of things in place, none of these tools are going to mean anything. Um, and so th those are some like, the, I think the really key takeaways that I get from these things of like, you know, really making sure that we're instilling uh, th those fundamentals and that those things are set up and in place before you start going shopping for technologies that you can really figure out which one best fits your needs. It was a good talk by Ed. I like the points you're talking about of getting more consistent with your tracking, but then more importantly, feeding it back into the estimate because we've heard the punchline before, right? I mean, what's the difference in an estimate and a guesstimate? You got to have build that historical database that's really true that you trust versus, yeah, it was 50%. No, it was actually 49 or it was 56. Had very interesting talk by Ed, without a doubt. I think the, some of the interesting points for me is I, I was bouncing between James's uh, one and a Power BI one and a, and a, da a database one. And, and um, it's really interesting to see how all these contractors are, you know, becoming many developers on their own and taking the tools that are given them by Applied, by Autodesk by ESUB and, and saying, okay, I like what I'm getting. It's the 80-20 rule. I think that James, you, you brought that up. The, the, the as, as Jeff coined the burrito principle. <laughs> the principle. But you know, like, yeah, what, whatever I'm buying on the box is 80% of what I need. So what else can I start to play with around the edges? Um, right. And I really love the tools that are being put out there for people and the tools. And, and you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be a PhD in computer science anymore to, to really kind of, you know, to 
coin or to copy Jonathan Marsh, you don't have to be a PhD to, to do some artful use, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll just throw out mine and it's admittedly biased, right? But uh, the partnership announcement with Autodesk Evolve and GTP, I mean, you know, once again, consider the source, right? But for me, I, I really like it for more than just, you know, um, strategically what that allows Evolve to be able to do, Autodesk to be able to do, and et cetera. I'm really excited to see it just to set the tone for the industry in general. I mean, I think we've seen so often the field just become increasingly more bloated with different solutions doing, you know, this particular niche need. And I think that partnership, you know, and this is case in point, those partnerships are really going to allow um, just a simplification, right, of what you need as a BIM manager for a tech stack and kind of solidify certain tech stacks that undoubtedly work together um, and kind of cut out a lot of that um, custom development need that you do see a lot of companies having to resort to simply because the connections aren't there, right, um, to link those solutions. So a um, couple of reasons why I'm excited about it, but honestly, that's probably the biggest one just to set the tone for the industry there. Um, well, that's from a contractor standpoint, I, I, it's huge for us. These are the tools that we're going to use regardless, um, you know, and, and we may cherry pick a feature here and there that, that from each one, but it's really getting more and more important for our software vendors to play nicely together. Right. Yeah. hundred well, percent. That, that Stratus video is so powerful of like visualizing that whole supply chain coming together and really, you know, seeing what, what is possible and, and what, frankly, a lot of the high performing mechanical contractors and micro contractors are doing already. Um, but really should be everybody. And that, and that's the type of stuff that, yeah, that, that should be crossing the chasm that, that stuff. You know, I think there are so many use cases of that. And, and the question is like, what is sort of the standardization of that whole, you know, Revit to Tiger Stop to whatever yep. using to track in the field, whether it's ICT or ESUB or whatever, and, and kind of those different points where you need the data and you can, you know, uh, pick those points. And I think, yeah, you need to provide the platforms with the customization to plug and play based on what your situation is. So I, I think it's really cool to see that it's coming together. And, and that's why MEP is really going to be at the forefront of crossing that chasm. Uh, much more than some of these like IPD or other more collaborative kind of contract things that I think we can sort of get stuck in the rut sometimes on, but it's nice to always have that silver lining of, you know, well, Hey, what, what can we do inside the fence within uh, right. a, a mechanical electrical plumbing contractor? And what were we going to do anyway? Right. I mean, mm -hmm. why don't we just push that forward? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, for, for me, it's just, it's something that's always kind of, you know, I've seen in the industry, I mean, acronyms, right. As we kind of talked about, the other day, I mean, that's a burden for entry, a burden for adoption, right? It prevents that, but um, just the the sheer over, just being overwhelmed by, you know, where do I even start with these 10 softwares that all do the same thing? I have to have a person completely committed to doing nothing but evaluating these continuously. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just limits in that burden of adoption, right? Of just trying to push the industry forward with those partnerships. And then that's only one person's perspective, which is- Right, for sure, 100%. Yep. So, yeah, <clears throat> gets even harder. During these uncertain times, Meztech Machinery has found a way to help its customers with service and installation virtually. They have virtually installed plasma cutters, lasers, cut to length lines, and complete coil lines. It has truly been amazing what their team has been able to do to keep the contractors producing and to provide contractors with new installs all remotely. For more information, go to meztechmachinery.com they are also a sponsor at this year's MEP Force Virtual. Go to MEPForce.com to register for $99 using promo code BTG99 
your chance to talk with Nestec about how they can help you. So in our, our last couple of minutes, one of the uh, things I want to unpack with this group is uh, how do we keep the conversation going? How do we make MVP Force not a, a one and done, you know, good three days, but how do we really uh, kind of make it a, even a springboard for this community, for these 1,300 people to continue and expand it outwards, um, you know, whether that's through CPC events and, and different things along the way there of just keep it going. So, I mean, I was super impressed with just all of the showcasing of what is possible today. And kind of, I think that's, that's always the challenge with these when we get outside of the bubble is like, okay, how do we actually do this stuff in the real world? Um, and, and, you know, a lot of like the, one of the things I forgot to mention earlier was uh, a lot of what Revisto was talking about throughout the last few days of this ICB, this integrated collaboration platform. And what is this idea of like, you know, I've got my system, you've got your system, but we need this like project centric system um, that, that could be, you know, a Revisto type platform. And I was asking a lot of challenging questions uh, to Tra Travis and other folks of like, okay, that, that's awesome. Like, I agree with you. You can do really cool measurements off it. You can do all these things, but there's thing, this, these things called contracts and right of reliance and, and all these other like tougher questions that we have to tackle in order to get to that, wouldn't it be cool if state? that is already here today. I and mean, we showed examples of it, that it can be done today. Mm -hmm. But I always caution some of those things because they can be a little risky. So I think, you know, like sort of my, my advice and like how, how we take this forward is, you know, if we talk about this culture where we can do these things, you know, be, be the culture that you want to be outside of here. Take these messages, take what you learned, explain to folks that are outside the circle um, and, and bring someone else inside the circle to sort of, you know, see the light, have that aha moment of, you know, I could never do my life again without this technology or without them or without whatever, um, that they're sort of hooked on this newer way of thinking. And it could be a lean or other, you know, cultural thing. It doesn't really matter what gets them hooked, but something that just gets them hooked on change is better than stagnation. <laughs> and, and just how do we, how do we grow that? Um, so I think getting outside of our own comfort zone to, to talk to folks that are maybe less comfortable with change um, talking understanding and empathizing with why they may not be as comfortable with change. And then, you know, trying to look for opportunities where you can address that, uh, their uncomfortableness, make it more comfortable for them to get into your comfort zone. And then we're actually moving people across that chasm and we're actually in that early adopter state that we want to be in. You know, one thing you do is share the content. Todd, we're talking off air. Uh, everything's been recorded. It's in the platform. You could set up little coffee meetings or lunch and learns in your own office and replay video content to share what Nathan's talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. that's a big one. Yeah, and you get access to it at mpforce.com. Uh, you can go in just the same way you, you logged in to watch the session live. You, there's a little... Wait, you, um, you mean we can keep our lens? <laughs> 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 Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I mean, I just cover my ears for it. No, yeah, don't, don't, yeah, earmuffs. No, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. That's probably against some license agreement. <laughs> well, I was going to say sharing is caring. I mean, if we want to to grow this movement, it's it's what we've been doing at CPC. It's what we're trying to do. Is you know the the construction dorks. It's what what Rob's doing with the the crew and what you guys are doing. Applied is you know. Um, I think we, we do realize that, that we're talking, you know, we're talking amongst ourselves way too much. Um, so bring a friend, you know, um, 
we, we have to realize that I think we do well amongst this group right here, realizing that's a very large pie and we can kind of share slices around. Uh, we got to get the rest of the industry to understand that too. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll just piggyback on that, Travis. I mean, you know, just even if it's just listening in on those podcasts or, um, you know, just even stopping in with, with no video, right. I mean, even if you're an introvert, just getting out there and just at least listening and trying to, I mean, like I said, even if it's just typing in a chat box, right. A question or an idea, um, whatever you can feel comfortable with to just try and stay engaged. Um, it's just one, it's, it's your own self benefit, right? It's going to keep you ahead of the curve and, and keep you on the forefront there, but it's also going to help, help everyone involved. So yeah, just, just being proactive about it. I mean, it's easy not to, right. But just trying to keep it a priority. Yep. Yeah. I think the more voices out there kind of helping push the message, the, the better. And that's, what's really cool about construction and an MEP specifically is there are so many voices out there talking about it and sharing their word out. So, yeah, I think that that, that helps create this movement and push it a little forward, you know, inch by inch, uh, the more of us that can, can get out there and, and use our voices to, to proclaim the message. So real quick, real quick, Todd, I just thought about this because uh, there's, I think there's an interesting parallel with <clears throat> conferences back when hashtags were all, all the rage and everyone was, you know, first getting on Twitter, you, you try and have a, a banner where people would tweet questions or things, but it, it didn't really get used and kind of fell off. Yeah. But now that we're in this all virtual world and the chat box is really becoming like a really powerful tool and, and folks are kind of responding to it and engaging with it. I'd be curious once, you know, we're back in session again, uh, how much we bring back that, that, you know, chat your thoughts and questions and responses and a little bit more of like a live engaging way. Um, mm because we all got the phones in our pockets anyway um, and can use the technology. And now that we're more, more comfortable with it and see the value virtually, maybe we'll, we'll try that again at the conference scenes again. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, a I think that's an interesting yeah. point. Cause uh, you know, I think that a lot of the stuff that we've learned in the virtual is, is not going away. Even when we go back in person, there's going to be a whole, you know, conferences are in person are going to look totally different. There's probably going to be some sort of back. hybrid, right? I'm yeah. assuming. Even for the, the live attendees and the right. in-person attendees, mm -hmm. they're going to have some digital aspects throughout their, their day. They're I'm going to go into a to... room, sit down, put on a VR headset with 300 other people <laughs> and watch the exact same presentation. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that might be the 2022 one. Right, but. Right. <laughs> uh, any other closing thoughts on MEP4 so far? Keep the conversation going. I mean, it was a, it was a great three days. Um, I'm not quite as tired, like Clay pointed out. Um, I took a, <laughs> took a little bit easier at night, but um, I'm still overwhelmed with information and, and good conversation. So let's just keep that going. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and then uh, of course it, it goes without saying, but I mean, um, you know, thank you to all you guys for putting this together, right? I mean, it's a, I can, I've been a part of a little bit of it kind of behind the scenes seeing it, but I mean, it's a big effort. So, um, you know, appreciate Congratulations, you guys for putting it together. It's all you. Yeah, don't <laughs> have a drinking effort behind me. <laughs> yeah, what, are, are you going to go drink? in front of the microphone. <laughs> yeah, drink, drink or sleep. What are you doing right after this, Todd? <laughs> yeah, a little of both. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for for being a part of it and and taking time to be on our three uh, part podcast here. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Sure. Yeah, this was fun. It's a great time. Job Thanks. well done, man. Congrats. Thank you. Thanks so much. And, and thanks to all those tuning in. We'll see you guys later.
If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software at ASTI.com for more information. You can also access MEP Force by going to MEPForce.com. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, BridgingTheGapPod.com. Until next time, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating.